0: The Sonic Light Podcast. This is Past Master Moyer calling in with my critique observations of episode eighty. I believe this is probably the longest episode. Anyway, uh, Mark Perlstein was the guest. Mark's a very interesting person, very very detail oriented. I very much enjoyed his explanation of what they do in Maryland because it's 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 a lot different than what we do in Pennsylvania. And even though he's a friend of Jack Harley, you know I, I'll I'll overlook that. Let's see, what else do I have here? Um, Josh Lamberton. You had a couple opportunities to speak and you blew it again. And you're senior warden of your lodge. If you expect to go to the East, you better learn how to speak up. Jim Stevens, his lodge business brief, stay off tangent. I think all you birds on the Masonic Light podcast should learn to, to stay off tangent. Set, set the agenda and stick to it. And to finish up... Maris, I tip my hat to you. You finally said Ephra Lodge number 665. Tim Dedman, you chimed in. I just saw you yesterday at Cigar Lodge. Uh, It sucks to be you now that due season is coming up. And to close out, Maris, that stupid joke, and I've heard it a number of times from you because you're starting to repeat yourself over and over as you age, That joke about mice being made master masons and not coming back is not funny at all. Anyway, I'm headed to Milwaukee this weekend. Looking forward to uh, listening to episode 81. And you guys, I'll be in touch. Bye.
1: From the new recording lair located deep beneath the Wine and Spirit store in Ephrata, Pennsylvania.
2: You're listening to the Masonic Light Podcast.
1: Studio 665 presents Masonic Light Podcast. This show is recorded by Masons, for Masons, and is for entertainment purposes only. And please, no wagering.
2: This podcast is not endorsed by any Grand Lodge, and the ridiculous ramblings of the hosts are their own.
1: And now, here's your house. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Masonic Light Podcast. Hi, everybody. This is episode 84. 84? 84. 84. 84.
3: What, what is I, that? Who is that strange voice I hear? Who is
1: that? Tonight, tonight's episode is brought to you by our Masonic Light patrons. Uh, if you'd like to become a sponsor of our show, please visit <laughs> www.patreon.com. Slash Masonic Light Podcast, and for as little as one dollar per month,
3: one dollar, one
1: dollar, you can help keep the lights on here in our studio. Uh, we'd also like to thank our show sponsors, the Smithton Inn and Weathered Vineyard, George J. Grovenson, and DNS Cigars. On tonight's episode, we have a second episode on Masonic art. Uh, tonight, our guest will be artist Ryan Flynn. Also on tonight's episode, we'll be hearing a segment from the Secretary's Crip, Jim Stevens, Michelle Snyder, the Masonic News with Jack Harley, and Final Thoughts with Larry Maris. It's Walter Cronkite. Really. Or Walter Cronkite. In studio with us today are Larry Maris, Jack Harley, Josh Lamberton,
3: and Walter Cronkite.
1: And I'm Tim Dedman. Pete Ruggieri is sitting out tonight serving a one-episode suspension from the podcast <laughs> oversight committee. At an undisclosed location in Mexico
4: <laughs> thank you, Mark
1: Zuckerberg. Yes. so uh, we are uh, we are uh, under a uh, court order to not uh, mention much about this, but you may hear something about it a little later in the show. <laughs> nice. So gentlemen, uh, has anyone done, it, done anything of Masonic significance since our last broadcast? Josh,
5: guess 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 not. Let's
1: start with Josh.
3: We need a cricket sound
5: effect,
0: but yeah, we had stated meeting uh, and our past masters night, and it was
1: well attended. And you did a great job as worshipful master. I was glad to be in attendance at that.
5: One of the one of the better past masters nights that I've seen in many different. Oh, stop sucking up, Larry. No, no, I'm serious. It was well done. (laughs) Yeah, well Well done.
1: Josh did a great job. Yeah, except they did leave a door open, but
5: That's that's okay. I know.
1: Larry, how about you?
5: Uh, been at the state meeting to see Josh in the east, and uh, go see Gridiron. Pretty much that was it. Okay,
1: Jack. Well, we
3: had state of meeting last night, and it went very well. I actually sat Persevent, which I haven't done in a, I, actually. I never sat Persevent. Um, but we had. I was telling you guys before the show started with a um, we had our memorial service every October. We remember the brothers that have passed since uh, the preceding memorial service and it was um at perseverance in the perseverance chair the table that they put out is right in front of us and we have candles on the table and a an apron and a sprig of acacia and a you know the scroll the whole funeral basically kit if you will and the lights were out and the candles were lit and it just it just looked really beautiful and and I, I wished that I could take a picture of it, but I didn't think it would be appropriate to whip out the camera at that moment and you know do a selfie. But you'd have was, probably gotten a
1: letter from somebody.
3: Yeah, I'm sure I would have got finked on somewhere along the line. But it was it was really nice, and and the officers did a nice job, and it was it was really good.
1: Great. Well, uh, we at uh, Eureka West Shore Lodge number three hundred and two in Mechanicsburg had our stated meeting on a dreary, cold, rainy night Monday. Um, Prior to that, we had 28 folks who donated blood at our blood drive, which was actually pretty good given the weather. Um, we had a great program. You had it on a meeting night? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's yeah, we brilliant. Have, we have it twice a year uh, in June and October on meeting <sighs> nights. And What uh, a great idea. From 3 to 7.
3: And so... It's uh, a pity that I'll forget to re- to
1: suggest that to yeah. somebody. Oh, it's great. We usually have great... We, we were in the high 30s last time, but uh, given the weather, I thought 20... I think we had 28 was the number.
5: That's why you was need to move to the home, Jack. Really I really know.
1: <laughs> I got the application, dude. I'm online. Our program was great. You all, as listeners, have actually heard the program that was presented there. It was Brother Ed Stumm talking about uh, his history with the Masonic Fraternity. Uh, again, very well received for many of the brethren. It was the first time they had... Uh, Heard that, and it was well-received. We also did our 25-year service emblems, uh, presented Bibles to recently raised Master Masons, and really significant, we had a presentation to four brethren of the Lewis Jewel. And for those of you that aren't familiar with that, uh, it is a jewel that can be worn by the son of a Mason. Uh, We had one brother who had four bars on his Lewis Jewel, which meant he's a Mason, his father's a mason, his grandfather was a mason and his great-grandfather was a mason. Hmm. Wow. And that jewel in, uh, has their date of initiation uh, on it as well. So that was quite impressive and a really enjoyable night and a great meeting. Cool. so All right. well, um, let's take a short break and then we'll be back with our brief conversation with Masonic artist Ryan Flynn.
5: I choose George J. Grove and Sons for your next home improvement project. At George J. Grove and Sons, we've built our reputation on quality and trust for more than 50 years. For planning, to materials, to installation, George J. Grove promises a home improvement experience second to none. Whether your goal is reducing energy costs, decreasing maintenance, updating curb appeal, or simply increasing the value of your home, The George J. Grove team will recommend and provide solutions that stand the test of time. Call 717-393-0859 for an estimate or visit us at georgejgrove.com. hey uh we're we're uh, welcoming our guest uh Ryan Flynn the right worshipful brother Ryan Flynn uh who is the current district deputy of grand education officer for the grand lodge of New Hampshire and
4: what wait what
5: Ryan also has a New lot Hampshire, of experience
4: New Hampshire has a grand lodge yeah me too.
5: Yes. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. It's a very good lodge. You're now yeah. you're now banned in New Hampshire, Rhode <laughs> Island, Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, welcome, Ryan. And I will say, this is your second appearance on our show.
6: Yeah, I didn't learn the first time.
5: So I'm yeah, exactly. we don't get a lot of repeats. Yeah, no, we don't well we can... well we
3: have a pete and then we have repeats <laughs> right.
5: yeah well welcome ryan and uh tell us a little bit about your business that you do and some of the uh, things you've been doing uh, lately
6: my business um well thanks for having me again I, I, I was just saying to you guys you know i really like being on the show you guys are a lot of fun um you talk about some really important stuff but you do so in a way that uh it's uh it's pretty entertaining too so i i don't listen to a lot of podcasts rich uh, religiously but yours is one of the ones i actually listen to so oh man
3: that's just <laughs> awesome
6: oh you're such uh, a so sucker yeah, you got you're doing a great job but All i right. actually listen to you guys so nice uh, <laughs> um so yeah i've been i've uh, been fairly busy with my art um uh it kind of slowed down for a couple of years because i was master of the lodge and thankfully that's over so i've uh, been getting back into it doing more uh, masonic works paintings and uh murals and traveling and it's it's been good it's been real good
3: wait uh, did you say murals
6: i did uh, my my largest project mm. ever did uh to date what happened last year down at uh, blackmer lodge 127 which i'm now a member of actually uh, uh but i worked with the guys there they did a complete overhaul of their entire lodge building um and i did murals on all well on the two long um two long walls of the building. Uh, the oh, I saw
3: that it was as it was going, you had like sort of uh, faux um, recesses that you had artists.
6: Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah so it, it was pretty cool. It took me seven, seven months to plan it. Um, luckily I had two awesome uh, assistants down there and they kind of prepped the walls for me. And um, I did this marathon painting session where I flew down on a Friday and I think I painted, um, I did three and a half, 16, uh, three 16-hour days and one, like, eight-hour day and painted it in a long weekend. <laughs> wow. So, uh,
3: Do you do a lot of that? Is that is that a core of your business or is that sort of ancillary? No, of see, um, I know you do a lot of uh, patents and things like that.
6: Um, I'm starting to do it a little bit more. I'm in talks with a lodge up here. That's going to be doing something like that. And then, um, there's rumors of a couple other lodges that want to do it. Um, so I kind of have this interesting, uh, way I'm approaching being a Masonic artist and that is, uh, I'm not doing it full time. Um, there's a couple reasons behind that. One is I got a family. I got a good job. I love my job. um, And I get a good paycheck out of it. So um, saying no to that would be pretty hard. And the other part that um, really has held me back from just diving in is I'm at a place where I have enough work and I have the right clientele where people are reaching out to me saying, do what you want. We trust you. And uh, it allows me to put as much time and effort in as I want while I do it. If I were to make this full time, I would be relying on my work. To pay my bills which means doing the artistic approach to these things where i'm taking my time planning things out and making it exactly what i want would not be beneficial to me because i don't make money doing that so i would be forced to do more stuff that's cheap and would make more money out of it but it wouldn't be what i want to do so i'm purposely keeping this uh, part time right now and it's been good I, i've been having constant work lately the, the amount of uh um, sonic art and people are talking about it. it's been going up steadily it's pretty incredible time but blackmore was special I, I knew the guys down there um they're some of the best masons i've ever met and um you know th- they flew me down to speak and then while they were in there they're like hey do you like this room yeah yeah it's nice it was <laughs> standard like wood panel walls <laughs> and uh, yeah yes. this is great yeah <laughs> and um they're like well we want you to redo the whole thing um so they raised their dues i believe they had a couple of guys donate some money they had a a couple of carpenters and contractors in the lodge and they they went they gutted the place they did this awesome thing where they removed the flat ceiling put a barrel vault in it painted it as dark black as possible and then put a couple like a couple hundred led lights poking through it and they mapped out the night sky of the night when the lodge was formed. Awesome. So you, you sit you kneel at that altar, you look up, it's, it's a night sky. Uh, You can't see the barrel vault and you're always taking your obligations underneath the night uh, that the lodge was formed. That's brilliant. And then I went around the lodge and I, I went crazy with symbols. And my ideas were, um, I wanted there to be, you know, your, your basic Masonic symbols that are easily identifiable for like the EAs and the guys who are just going in the craft. So, you know, I see faith, hope and charity and the working tools. And then, um, next to them were these figures that would be representing different aspects of the craft. So, um, and, and it got deeper as you went around. So you'd have like charity. So I have the, um, um, is in there. Uh, so you can start looking at all of those and it makes sense. And then I took it a step further and, um, I told the guys when I was designing it, I'm like, this is what I want to do. And their minds were blown. It was kind of the, um, the, if you look at them deeper, there's these different hand gestures that are going and they're pointing to each other and they're all wearing very specific colors because when you look at it from the top down, it actually forms a Kabbalah tree of life. Wow. Uh, <laughs> so uh, as as you follow the hands and stuff they they formed the the Tyler's sword you know it it, it was uh, it was nuts I, I my wife was just kind of looking at me as she's watching TV and I'm just scribbling notes down and researching but it it was pretty cool it was wow I was pretty happy with it <laughs>
1: So in preparation for the show I actually went on your website and looked at some of your work I was really impressed with the Painting uh, properly prepared, I believe it's called. Oh, duly prepared. Duly uh, prepared. The, the duly new prepared.
3: one, the preparing room. Yeah, or the uh, well, uh, chamber of reflection. Yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, was that where this piece came from, or was this something else? No, I um.
6: So it's funny, I um, my viewpoints of masonry have changed over the years. You know, I joined for in 2010. And I was like, I'm joining a uh, charity. It's going to be awesome. We're going to do a lot of charity work. And I've gotten to the lodge. And I'm like, okay, guys, we're doing charity work. Um, and then um, through some people, you know, I got introduced to Masonic education. And I dove into that. So for like five, six years, all I was doing was reading every book that I can get put in front of me. And then um, through a couple of um, experiences that I had as master, uh, I started... And I met a few brothers like Chuck Dunning. I started uh, really looking at this like introspective way of looking at Freemasonry. And with me, I always had my sketchbook around me. And I was thinking about, all right, what's the most introspective part of, of the, uh, the whole ordeal? I want to paint that. And I thought, well, actually the chamber is because that's the only time you're actually thinking for yourself. Every part of our ritual, we're forcing Schools of thought on you, and we're, we're forcing you to think our way for the first time. But that one moment before you're going in, that's you. That's you and you alone. And I thought that would make an amazing painting. And I thought that moment when you're like at that moment where you're ready to be initiated and that door opens up and they come to get you, I thought that was a really cool moment. So that's what I wanted to paint. So It's an amazing painting.
4: Well, oh, well, Tim, it's available um, for the low price of twenty
1: five hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah, the fess up. That's great. I wish I had twenty five hundred dollars. To... <laughs> okay, Larry. No, no that's that, not Larry.
3: That's
5: me. Sorry. Uh, all right. <laughs> <I'm> sorry. <laughs> Tell you, Ryan. Let maybe I can stick my nose back in this show here. But uh, one of the things we're going to have John Bridegroom on the show, and I caught perhaps a Facebook conversation. Texting between you and John, and you talked about a renaissance in Masonic art, a new renaissance. And that led me to think that uh, I wanted to have both you guys on the show. So, would you tell me a little bit about that thought process?
6: Well, I wouldn't say a renaissance in Masonic art yet. I'd say that there's definitely a renaissance in masonry. Um, so, I for some stupid reason I'm obsessed with the Renaissance. I, you know, I, when I studied abroad, I got to learn about it in the place where it happened and it kind of just sparked the interest. And for some stupid reason, I still read about it. Um, you know, I'm listening to an audio book right now, which for any of you who have a kid who needs to uh, go to sleep and is having trouble catching some Z's, I highly recommend it. <laughs> um, but, um, but no, I, you know, if if I were to teach, you know, I consider myself, I'm not an expert. I don't not, I don't have a doctorate or anything, but I'm, I'm fairly well educated in the Renaissance. And if I were to do a class about it, I think I wouldn't talk, you know, if I did a week long class about the Renaissance, I don't think I would talk about art until the third day. Um, because th- what we consider the Renaissance, when you think of you know, Mikey um, and, uh, you know, Raphael, all the greats and stuff, they were kind of... The reaction to what was happening. Um, If you go back to, you know, the early 1400s where things were really starting to turn, um, it was this all of a sudden romanticized ideal of wisdom that started getting things moving. You know, people all of a sudden wanted to really learn about you know, the Greeks again, because they were available to them for the first time. They wanted to learn about, um, the human condition more than just the, you know, the fallback. You are God's creation. Do what he says. Well, you know, but we have this whole life on earth that we interact with. We want to, we want to learn about that. So if you think about what's going on in Masonry right now, it's, it's almost identical. So, we're, we're entering this um, era of Freemasonry where education is starting to come to the forefront. Um, and when I say that, I, I I really make a sense to say this because one of the things that I don't like hearing a lot of is people saying, like, oh, the generation before us threw, threw education out the door. Didn't happen that way. There was no three guys who said, oh, uh, Manly P. Hall. <laughs> no, no. You know, ma- the wonderful thing about Masonry is it's 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 pliable it, it can change with the times you know when the guys came back from World War ii masonry offered that aspect of masonry which is brotherhood and that's what attracted to them and that's what they needed so masonry was the tool to give them what they needed to continue as brothers now with our generation or my generation education seems to be the the way things are going so all of a sudden we're starting to see EA's reading Wilmshurst you know um, you know EA's talking about Kabbalah and all this other stuff because they're really into it. And that's exactly what happened in the Renaissance. Now with the art, um, you know, I started talking about this in 2012 where I was just saying, you know, we need to, we need to boost this up because, um, if the art didn't happen in the Renaissance, we probably wouldn't be talking about it. We would just talk about like six group of guys who got together and learned some stuff, but because the art mirrored those, and because it's easy for people to identify with art, um, it stuck with us. movement. I mean, if you really start to think about it, the Renaissance was only about 100 people scattered across, you know, a century and a half. But look what they did with the world. You know, it was a bunch of rich guys who could afford all the books and use the money that they had to make sure artists captured what they were feeling that's a really simplified version of it, but it is. Um, I mean, I, I could get talking on that forever, but if you look at masonry right now, we have more than a hundred guys doing it where we're getting together in study groups. We're starting to talk about this stuff. We're starting to take it on a, on a level that's extremely serious. And now the arts are starting to creep in. So if we, a hundred guys back then could do it, even though they were just ridiculously rich, um, if a hundred guys back there can do it, why can't, Masonry do it now and really turn this into a Masonic renaissance. That's my elevator speech.
3: <laughs> okay, drop the mic. We're done here. Uh, thank you very much. for.
5: Wow. Let, 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 me, let me ask, Ryan, how would you and John construct a challenge? Now, John is going to be John John bridegroom.
4: John bridegroom, who's right. going to be our, right. our
5: our guest in two weeks. after
4: after Ryan. In two right. weeks, right? Then we we recorded a half an hour ago, but he'll be our guest <laughs> next <laughs> week. No, listen, nobody. Listen, nobody. I am an artist.
6: I am a diva. You go with my schedule. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I need my I need my orange M and M's.
5: How would you construct a challenge to Freemasons and to Grand Lodges all over the world? How, how are you going to go about doing that?
6: so you know it's it's interesting like um it's already happening in the blue lodges it is it's happening slowly but it's building and um when i started really talking about masonic art five years ago was when i did a presentation and all of a sudden everybody wanted me to come out and do it um one of the things i would say at the end of it is like name name five masonic artists and people would still they, they wouldn't be, well you ryan you know and okay tell me someone else and um that's changed and that's that's the really cool part and the really cool thing that i notice is when i travel around the country and i talk about it i'm hearing different names so there's these these artists who are coming up like um there's a couple of boys down south of him, insane murals and I, I wrote his name down and i didn't bring his bring the, um Bring my sheet in here because I'm very organized. Yeah.
4: Don't, nobody mentioned me with my monkey. I was going to say the yeah. listeners can't
1: hear, but Pete just took the it monkey off the wall. It reminds
4: me of Whistler, I believe. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Whistler's um, monkey, yeah.
6: yeah. <laughs> That's your new title for that, by the way. Uh, but no, if you start going around, you're starting to see these artists coming up. And, and luckily, um, some of these guys are actually making a name for themselves, like Travis Simpkins. He's a, a guy up here near Massachusetts. He's doing a ton of portraits. You know, portrait art is really uh, something special and something that, you know, the craft has seemed to abandon except for very specific Grand Lodges. Um, you know... For that, that's one of the easiest things that I could say. Uh, people or lodges could start doing. You know, if your your lodge has a member who makes it to Grand Master, get an oil portrait of him. <laughs> he deserves more than a hundred dollar, you know, certificate of appreciation, which a lot of people do. And and I, I'm extremely biased in that because um, I'm a portrait artist. And and before I continue, I, I really need to say this. I'm not here to push me. This, I, I actually would prefer a lot of people to do other artists besides me so that they can become Masonic artists. Um, but there's something special about a portrait. Uh, from, from an artist's point of view, you know, you take a photograph and photographs can be extremely extravagant and beautiful and well set up, well lit. And, but a photograph is that moment. Um, it's a, it's a specific moment when you take that photograph, but, but a portrait is, is something different. Like a portrait conveys time too. there's, there's time and effort and building and consideration that goes into making an oil painting of someone that a photo just can't do. And it's also got that regality of it as well, where this is something that has some substance to it. And it's a great way to honor someone.
3: as you're saying that, Ryan, I'm flashing on the the uh, the, the portrait of George Washington with Martha and s- sitting at a table mm-hmm. with the the globe and the map and the various symbols that are, and, and it conveys a, a sense of presence and time and place and and looking to the future and and that's the kind of thing that you, that 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 you guys as artists can convey that we as I don't know what are we plebes can only can only try to appreciate and and it, it's hard for us because we we're, we're not really trained in it you know we're not trained in how to appreciate the work that you do I think that used to happen but I don't think it does anymore and and that's that's an opportunity for the lodge to uh, right.
6: I, well I think art is so when I when I do my presentations about Masonic art around the country one of the things I do is I take three paintings and I started off with it and I say, Let's just look at them. Um, you know, one of the ones that I picked lately is it's by John Singer Sargent. I don't know if you can pull it up or not, but it's called The Gassed. And it's this massive painting of all of these victims of a mustard gas um, attack in, in World War One, And they're all being led blind with each other going towards the hospital tent. So I bring it up and, and I say, what do you see? And we, we look at it from a superficial level. Like, What, what do you physically see in the painting? All right. You see people, you see a battleground, you see tents. Good. All right. Let's look at it a little differently. Like how many people are in it? Why do you think that number is used? And I get people to kind of look at it on a different level. And then I throw in some crazy facts like, all right, what do we think this painting is? Oh, so how about how horrible war is? Good. Look over here and look in the background. This guy's playing soccer. Okay. Now all of a sudden you're looking at that whole painting differently. Cause what's the whole message of it? Is it the brutality of war or is it that the brutality of war can be completely forgotten and be misplaced and put aside because that's how horrible wars are. And you could play soccer in the middle of all these victims. And if we can look at our Masonic symbols and our Masonic ritual in the exact same way as that you're going to train yourself to think like an artist, you know, um, I'm writing this article right now that it's called uh, I'm a Masonic Artist and You Can Be One Too. And it's really about just looking at things like like you're an artist yourself. Um, so to answer your question, I, I think masonry trains you how to look at it that way. It's just looking at art or looking at movies or it can be any form of art. If you look at it in that kind of secondary or I like to call it the initiated eye, you can, you can start to train yourself to think that way, and you're going to get a lot more out of everything that you look at once you get good at it.
3: At the historic Smithton Inn of of Pennsylvania, we're pleased to serve the latest creations from Weathered Vineyard Winery, along with spirits from Thistle Finch Distillery in Lancaster, all to be experienced in the tasting room of a beautifully restored 18th century bed and breakfast. Cigars by DNS Cigar are available for your enjoyment in the courtyard. The historic Smithton Inn is convenient to Lancaster County's most interesting attractions. Just minutes from the Effort of Cloister and the Green Dragon Farmer's Market. And a short drive can get you to charming Lidditz, thriving downtown Lancaster, as well as Hershey, Bird in Hand, and Intercourse. Or Valley Forge and Gettysburg. Whether you're looking for a romantic getaway or an active vacation full of sightseeing and attractions, the historic Smithton Inn will be a welcoming oasis from everyday life, one that you'll want to visit again and again. Stop in and visit at 900 West Main Street in Ephrata, Pennsylvania, or check out our website at historicsmithtoninn.com, or simply call us at 717-733-6094. Just ask for past Master Dave.
0: Hey, this is Brother James Diener with Effort of Lodge 665 in Effort of PA. You're listening to the Masonic Light Podcast.
4: Ryan, one of the things that I was mentioning earlier was, you know, you can take me and I'm a okay, like fun artist, but I'm not a good artist um, but what, <laughs> what, what what could we do to try and attract artists and actors and creative people into Freemasonry because we were talking about Scottish Rite earlier and, and all of the degrees and the acting mm-hmm. and I just like man if somebody was into acting they would just thrive here you know we do it because nobody else is signing up and I know I'm a crap actor <laughs> But, you know, you know, if I don't... We know that too, Pete. Right, but I'll I'll gladly surrender that to a skilled and passionate artist. So, I mean, I think there's plenty of artists, like, do you have artist friends that are not Masons that you could kind of lure over to the dark side?
6: (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, I have friends who are Masons who are artists who don't do Masonic art. that's completely fine. It's not their thing. It's not what they do. It's not their style. That's cool. Um, well, the, first of all, it's extremely easy to attract artists. And again, the presentation I do all over the country, I, I, I end it by saying you need to support, you need to acknowledge and you need to participate. So, um, the first one is easy acknowledge, just start talking about this stuff. Um, the reason why there's no Masonic artists, in my opinion, has nothing to do that we got cheap, which we certainly have, but it's not really it. We just don't talk about this stuff anymore. You know, if you want to talk about some Masonic ideals, there is no reason you have to stick just to ritual. <laughs> you know? if you want to talk about the allegory of the cave in in, in in your lodge, you don't have to get up there and read the allegory of the cave and put people to sleep. Because, But, hey, if you have go down to your friend's house and put on the matrix and watch it and then have some cigars, have some scotch and start talking about what you're seeing. You're using art to portray a very complicated piece of literature in a new way that's more accessible to people. So just by discussing art or bringing that in or bringing artists into your lodge, um, it's uh, it's a, it's an easy way to attract them. And, and one of the things that really bugs me about the craft that, uh, right now is, um, we, t- we have so many things that we talk about, you know, we talk about philosophy, we talk about art, hopefully, um, we talk about all this stuff. And when we need to hear an expert, what do we do? Oh, you know, Frank over there is, we'll read a couple of books and come do a presentation on it. great good for frank he's learning but why not go to the college down the street and get a a professor of philosophy to come in and let him talk you know put the lodge at ease bring him in and have him talk or bring an art historian uh and have him talk i mean people who study art history don't shut up (laughs) so you know and that does twofold one you're you're bringing in actual uh, expertise into your lodge and you're hearing things from the source. And two, you're showing these people that there's actually a group of people out there that care <laughs> about it, um, which is a big thing.
4: That, that's that's powerful because that's, you know, at least in the lot, my lodge, everybody is kind of lazy. And I mean that from being busy and when you become master, it's just like you're treading water. Mm-hmm. But if, you know, you, you can plan ahead. I mean, I think that's that's wonderful to try and get some of these – more learned folk in that we could actually learn something from.
6: Yeah. I mean, I like to say, um, you know, one of the things I do in that presentation is, uh, um, you know, I I ask the room to raise your hand if you live within 30 minutes of a college. Yeah. And they, everybody raises their hand, you know, okay. Keep your hand up. If they have a music department, keep their hand up. If they have an art department, reach out to them. You want to attract musicians to a lodge, have a high school musician club come in and play Mozart for you.
3: Uh, Now you're just talking about seven liberal arts. And uh, I
4: mean, come on, really?
6: Uh, Fine. Get the artists to come in. Even better. Have them do a mural in your lodge. Tell them what.
4: My wife's a a mathematician. She can talk about geometry. Right.
6: (laughs) That's a perfect example because we all get up and say like, oh, geometry. And oh, yeah, I get it. Geometry, math, you know, corners and stuff. Yeah. Have a mathematician come in and tell you how to prove a uh, geometrical theorem. How much work and thought goes into that. And then you'll understand a little bit more why geometry is a noble science.
4: Wow, I feel bad being a smartass now. That was a perfect example. I couldn't
6: have thought of a better one.
4: Oh, gee. We'll move on to logic. Larry Maris. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gee. Ryan,
5: how do you think? If, you know, people are going to be listening to you today, or when we put the show on next Monday, and then we're going to have John Bridegroom come on in a couple of weeks. And there's there's going to be a lot of interest, because we do have listeners to this show, believe it or not. <laughs> in a way, you both will be putting out a challenge out there. How, do you, how will you handle it? And, uh, like, this, this seriously could go worldwide. So are you... Put, <laughs> prepared for that and it's
3: multiplanetary <laughs> yes, at the same time
5: yes hey, we, we, we have the statistics to prove people in other countries do listen to us
3: so i i think what larry is asking is is how do we put this into action right you are talking about this and you've you've put out a couple good examples go to the local uh college and reach out to the art department and reach out to um, the the i don't know music department uh, music department music yeah. <laughs> um but um, how, how do you, how are you bringing that into your lodge locally? Am I? Yeah.
6: Well, um, or, you know, um, unfortunately, I'm trying. Um, it, it's, it's a battle a little bit. Um, and, um, in, in I'm, what I'm, way? I'm, how, in awkward, how? I'm in an awkward position right now because I'm not in the East anymore and I'm the person people are bringing in to start this. So, okay. um, honestly i've been so busy uh, traveling and painting and stuff like that that's kind of how i'm doing it um you know i i try to blast masonic art as much as possible i try to talk about it as much as possible uh give people tips and how to do things um that's kind of the way i'm trying to do it and you know um you guys kind of hit the nail on the head with what I'm actually struggling with right now, which is why I was really happy you guys asked me about that. Cause when I travel around, I've actually had a pretty good track record so far of people um, actually trying to bring this into their lodges. People have told me, yeah, we hired a, um, a quartet to play music uh, outside of our lodge on our open house instead of just doing something. You know, that's, that's awesome. Um, but the, the fallback is we need grand lodges to back this up too. And there's there's ways that they can do it. Um, there's ways that are done in Europe that we just don't want to do, or we would never thought of doing. Uh, the Grand Lodge of England has a resident artist, um, and they switch them out once in a while. That's something, and any Grand Lodge in this country could easily do. You know, bring them, bring a member of their of your of your uh, jurisdiction in, give them a thousand dollars. What's that out of? You know, you have five, you know, I live in a small state where we have like 5,000 Masons or something. Um, that's the pennies per Mason and have them create something for the Grand Lodge. Just one thing a year or one thing every two years. Doesn't matter. Just create. Um, promote people who are authors, tell them to write stuff and promote them. Um, there's also my biggest fear and my biggest complaint about um, masonry and art is. When we talk about art and masonry, we talk in the past sense. You know, oh, you know, you go to Philadelphia. Look at this wonderful building built in the 1920s. And then we fixed it up for a couple of decades. And then, you know, that was the heyday. Then I go to 10 other Grand Lodges in the state and I see these, I mean, in this country, and I see these beautiful buildings and we say, oh, this was built in the 1920s and we put all this time and effort into it. Now, well, what have you done in the last 50 years? Nothing. We're, we're completely content with saying this happened in the past and we don't do this anymore. You know, uh, I know there was a, uh, I was really upset because I didn't know there was a conference of Masonic libraries and museums that was going to happen and I missed it. And I would have paid my own way to get out there and tell them, add, stop catalog cataloging and add because you're just, you're feeding that notion that Masons are out of date and that we're no longer relevant because we're killing all of this stuff that makes us more popular and more presentable to the people of, you know, the public, I should say.
4: So, um, John mentioned some uh, folks earlier, and maybe uh, you can as well. Who are some current Masonic artists that you would just throw names out there that we could help promote? Um, and maybe, you know, not even like all classical, like, like 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 I, you know, you are with paint. I mean guys like John that are graphic artists and I mean, there's so many new kinds of art that I don't know. I just think we have so many cool tools, computerized, you know, with illustrator that we can make such cool stuff now.
6: Well, it's, um, it's hard. There's, um, I mean, there's, um, there's a couple of people that have have been following and, you know, like kind of stalking behind the scene. Uh, there's a guy, um, uh, named cat taylor who who just did a few murals i know he's down south i don't know remember where he, he's i believe he's an art teacher too uh amazing paintings but his murals are like really cool they're kind of uh illustrative so they got that kind of um i, I want to say like pen and ink look that you see there in like graphic novels but they're massive they're their whole lodges um he did a few murals down south and they're unbelievable Uh, he's on facebook cat taylor um he's you gotta look at his stuff he's he's a lot better than me um (laughs) um, there's uh i think i mentioned before travis simpkins he's he's rocking it with his, his uh constant paintings and and portraits again i have no idea how the hell he does it that fast like he the kid the kid is gifted um, and there's, um, there's a couple of guys up in New Hampshire that are, are starting to come around. Um, I'm, I'm hopefully going to be meeting with them. I'd love to form an artist lodge <laughs> um, <laughs> up here and, and really promote this stuff. Um, but yeah, the, the problem is that, you know, with the digital stuff like that, we just need people to step it up and, and, and say, Hey, look at me, I can do this. And then, have the reciprocal of that of saying, well, i just go, okay, do it. How can we help? Because I'm willing to bet there's thousands of us out there that just haven't been given the chance to do this. I mean, the only reason, the only reason I'm a Masonic artist is because someone was going to put some, some fake stained glass windows in our lodge temple, uh, temple room. And they went cheap and they went boring. And a friend of mine said, maybe you should talk to him before you do this. And I took over the project. I did these windows for Nashua, uh, Nashua Masonic Temple, and um, there I was. It, it just that started me, and it was crazy because you know I did them so quickly. You know, I it wasn't something. I, I spent a month designing them, and um, when when someone got word of it, the, uh, an article was written on me. It just exploded. You know, I was getting calls from and and. You know, Facebook messages from all over the country and outside the country, and people were saying, "Like, I didn't know this stuff existed. I, uh, how long you've been doing this?" And you know, my initial reaction was, "Thank you, but this has existed. We just don't do it anymore." And it, it was it was both amazing and and uh, upsetting that one piece of art could be thought of so amazing, but at the same time, so foreign. To Freemasonry at the same time, when there is no excuse that it ever should have gotten that way. The one Grand Lodge that really steps up and, and has done stuff is, is is Pennsylvania. I mean, they they're consistently adding. I remember when they did the uh, they well, obviously they did the friend of friend memorial, and you know that symbol of art. Every Freemason in America knows that sculpture, and and it unifies us. It speaks volumes to what we stand for. And then I remember, um, maybe like four or five years ago, I'm probably wrong. Um, they, they hired they commissioned a painting of it to go in Graham Lodge. It's like a, it's a, uh, um, I can't think of it. Grayscale um, painting. And it made the, made the paper made in, in, in Philly. And I remember distinctly reading it because he's talking about why he did it at the end. And at the bottom of it, he goes, oh yeah. And I joined because this seems pretty cool and I was there we go that's that's how you get reasons.
3: so um, just so you know um, when we remodeled the our fellowship hall in in Effort of Lodge um, we, we put a couple of your works on the wall um, oh, okay. and, and we appreciate that very much but I do um, too. <laughs> the, um, the 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 point of it is is and and I, I got up I, I put the microphone down and I, I went over to the board and I wrote create. And and that's that's what that's what is happening less now, but more. Right? It's growing. Uh, the, the idea of creating. Um, we're, we're always looking backwards at what did other people create in the past. But,
4: but Jack, there's some of us like, work. This isn't exactly art, but we're creating. The guys, yes. the you know, the roundtable, the podcast. There's lots of new media, right. That people are doing.
3: Right. And 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 that's what. Is going to drive us forward into the future. That's what, uh, and and Ryan even said it earlier. You know, after World War II, the fraternity was what it needed to be, and now mm-hmm. it's becoming something else that it needs to become now. And, and 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 it's this creative aspect that we've 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 missed for so long. Um, I, I one of my favorite shows on on PBS was the Little Old Lady Nun that used to do artwork that, that she would go uh, into the, 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 old, um, you know, and she would, she would point out to the old masters and say, okay, the fact that there's a white version. rose in this painting means this. And the fact that these flowers are, this means this. Mm-hmm. And, and we don't have that sort of training anymore. Um, oh, there you, go. And,
1: there
3: you go. Oh, that's her sister. Wendy. sister Wendy. I loved her, <laughs> love her so much yeah. because It was such a level of depth that, God, where am I going to get that? I'm never going to get that, right?
6: Well, you know, the funny thing about, especially Masonic art and and Masonic um, knowledge, I guess you could say, is, you know, people consider me, uh, you know, knowledgeable in the craft. I, 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 I think I am. I'm not by any means an expert in anything in the craft, but I can honestly say that 80% of what I've learned has nothing to do with reading books. It's about traveling. You know, that's how I've learned about the craft is getting out there, going to symposiums, listening to people, going into parking lots with guys who are much smarter than me and asking questions. And that's the same way with the same approach to masonry with that can be done with art as well. You know, it, the hardest thing to train someone to do, I think is to look at something symbolically it, you know, a lot of masons take it for granted that we can look at a square and say, oh, that's not just something that measures right angles. It means something much more complex. That step is, is not easy for a lot of people to, to think conceptually. You know, and, and there's certain works of art that are easier to kind of see um, what that is, and, and a lot of times the more familiar you are with the art, the um, the more you can kind of take it to the next level, you know. There was this wonderful uh, art historian who who took a picture of Guernica, which uh, I'm sh- sure you guys have all. I hope you guys have all heard of it. It's it's a gigantic mural by Pablo Picasso. It's black and white, and it it tells the story of when the Germans bombed this town, of Guernica. Um, and, um, you know, he would, he brought it up and he put it in a subway and he would ask people walking by, what do you think about this? And it's very abstract, full cubist. And, um, he would get these amazing answers, but then he would ask people to like, look at it in their own way. I remember, uh, a person with a drum walked by and he said like, drum a beat that this makes you feel. And he, he came up with this little beat and he said like, why are you drumming it like, like that? And he gave this amazingly philosophical answer answer just because he's looked at this paint for the first time. Um so again that's why I keep promoting bringing art into your into your lodge because it helps you guys look at things on a more conceptual level. And training yourself to do that makes you a better mason because all of a sudden you're going to look at your your ritual and realize that this isn't just about building stones and walking up a staircase. Um, which again is a very hard step for some people to make. Um, so yeah, perfect. No one preaching to the choir here.
4: So, so uh, Ryan, uh, thank you so much for for being with us. And hey, we actually kept you on two times the legal limit. We, we made it to forty minutes. Jeez, oh,
6: I don't shut up.
4: Well, no, I mean that means that means we like it. Yeah. Um, If uh, our listeners want to uh, see your art or a lodge wants to try and commission a piece, what's the best way for them to uh, track you down on the interwebs?
6: Um, The best way is, um, oddly enough, my Facebook page. I have an artist page. It just says Ryan J. Flynn Studios. Um, I'm always on that kind of showing um, how I do stuff. Yes, (laughs) you are. Yeah, well, oddly enough, one of the reasons I did that is I, I finished a painting and a guy said, I'll give you 50 bucks for it. I said, all right, that's 36 cents an hour. <laughs> um, and and I knew he was asking other people that. So I, re- I actually, I do this because I don't want artists to be cheat, uh, cheated or, or undervalued for how much work goes into some of that stuff. So that's kind of why I do it. I, um, uh, you know, it's self-marketing as well, too. But you know, there's a lot of time and effort and pain and uh, crap load of scotch that goes into one of my paintings. <laughs> 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 um so you can find me on there that's where you, I'm, I'm most uh, active i also have my website ryanjflynn.com um, and if you guys just you know if anybody just needs some advice or some ideas on how to get this into your lodge or uh, if you really want to make me happy we can talk about how to bug the crap out of your grand lodge until they recognize that the art still exists i would love to help you with that so awesome awesome Here, awesome, yeah. awesome.
3: All right, Ryan. Thank you for being with us tonight, and um, we look forward to seeing you again very soon.
6: Yeah, absolutely, great seeing you guys again.
5: Thanks for being with us, Brian. Ryan.
6: Ryan. Oh, <laughs> Ryan. Oh, oh my oh, my God. God. Good boy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm go paint and drink. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Hey, Jack, that is a sharp-looking shirt you got there. Where
3: did you get it? Oh, you like that, eh? I do. I got it at the Masonic Marketplace.
1: What is that?
3: Well, that's an online store for the Scottish Rite, northern Masonic jurisdiction. They got all kinds of great shirts and ties and gifts and stuff, and they'll ship it right to your house, Tim. Awesome.
1: Where do I find them?
3: Well, you can find them on the interwebs, at www.themasonicmarketplace.com And welcome back. You've been uh, you've been listening to an interview that we previously recorded with Ryan Flynn. You'll you'll notice that uh, Pete was with us when we recorded that and uh, we actually flew him back up from his vacation uh, so he could be with us for like that interview, and then exiled him back to Mexico. Yeah, well, now he's exiled again. So, so anyway, um, no, I, I this this uh, sh- brief series, if we can call two episodes a series uh, of uh, involving Masonic art, I think is huge because it's something that it's missing. I, I, I listened to the John Bridegroom episode again, and and he talks about you know when. I, I saw these old patents that were hand drawn, and you know stuff like that 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 really sort of sort of gave you a feeling about the fraternity, and and you know now you're getting something that's you know printed off a dot matrix printer or whatever, and uh, and I think I, I'd really love to see. That sort of commitment to the artistic aspect, the you know the artistic expression of the principles of Freemasonry, I, I, I'm just looking forward to that.
1: And it's such an important part of our past and our history that, um, and it's what made part of what made Freemasonry what it is today. Um, I think we do a disservice to the fraternity to not. Go yeah, back it, there. it is.
3: And when we redid Steffi Hall here at Lodge Six Six Five, we we actually um, put some of Ryan's work. On the walls here, there's a, there's a, a three-panel set that he uh, put up um, talking about geometry and the Saints John and a couple of other aspects that, 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 that's there. It's funny to, because <laughs> people don't notice it uh, until you point it out, and then they go, oh, that, that's really cool. So a lot of time that even that Masonic art gets overlooked. So we're, we're happy to, to shine a spotlight on it. And uh, Ryan, thank you for being with us for that interview. And we look forward to um, more Masonic art from you and others like you in the future. So I think, uh, I think we're going to take a, a, brief, um, a brief pause for the cause and talk to uh, a couple of our special, uh, special
7: guests. Unlocking Symbols with symbologist Michelle Snyder
2: King Midas Unlocked Fairy tales, legends, and folklore hold many secrets of times long past. King Midas of the Golden Touch is the story of a greedy king who begged a fairy to give him the ability to turn everything into gold by touching it. This, of course, was a very bad idea, as everything included his food and eventually his daughter. Soon he begged to be released from his affliction and was told to go rinse his hands in a river to wash away the curse. When he did so, everything was restored, including his golden daughter. Today this tale is told to teach the consequence of greed and the change in values it takes to cure it. To use our golden key on this tail, we must look at the process of electrolytes. Batteries work on this science, a lower element changing into a higher one, for example, tin into silver. As this process takes place, energy is produced. There must be a proper medium between the two elements, and so your car battery needs water. It has been known for a long time that if you can find a stream of water flowing past a gold factory that dumps its production waste into the water and you put a tin cup in it downstream, your tin cup will soon turn into electrolyte gold. The instruction for Midas to rinse his golden hands in the water of a river alludes to the electrolyte process. Another part of our golden key is history. Midas was said to be an excessively greedy king. This story is based on a real king who lived at a time when gem merchants traveled the land. They were very good at swindling their customers, and the king was angry about it. His wife, the queen, thwarted them by inventing coins. The coins provided a standard with which to weigh the precious gems, and the merchants could no longer swindle the king. They were so angry, they spread rumors about his greed. Stories and symbols are layered through time, like the process of palimpsest, where ink is scraped off an older papyrus, and new writing put on, yet shadows of the old ink remain. King Midas is said to have a daughter whom he turned into gold in his greed, but the real King Midas on which this story is based did not have a daughter. Some not so pleasant history must be uncovered to see this layer. There was a time when young children, as young as five, were used in mining. They were smaller and could get into the tighter tunnels. Many died in this process. Once in a while, a mine would flood with water, and on at least one occasion, the water was laden with gold powder. Centuries later, during excavation of a wall, a young girl was discovered. She was perfect in every detail. Her eyelashes, hair, and clothes, as well as the little basket she held, were preserved as electrolyte gold. This sensational discovery was added to the legend about the greedy king with the golden touch. For more oral tradition unlocked, read Symbology, Fairy Tales Uncovered. Next time, we will talk about magical, mysterious cats.
0: If you'd like to take a deeper look, be sure to check out Michelle's book, Symbology, Revision. A link for
3: purchase can be found on the Frea Foundation website. That's freafoundation.net.
0: While you're there, take a look at some of Michelle's other works and find out more about the Freya Foundation and its mission to research and publish the Ensman Archives.
1: Deuce time is a great time for lodges and all Masonic bodies to update their data. One of the worst pieces of data we don't have is information on our members' spouses. And for those that we do, many are outdated. Um due to uh, the death of spouses, remarriages, etc. So a simple thing to do is when you notify your members that they owe dues, have them update their contact information and the spouse's name. It will save you from having to do this once the member passes, and it becomes rather inconvenient. In Masonic News Today, Officials of the
3: Grand Lodge of Quintana Roo, Mexico have announced the appointment of Abner Hockenfus as Worshipful Master of Bartender's Lodge Number 420 in Playa del Carmen. When asked for comment, Brother Hockenfus replied, "This, This is really a huge honor, everybody. A festive board was held to commemorate the event featuring an olive loaf and scrapple buffet. Masonic Lake Podcast wishes the new master a hearty congratulations, and reminds our brother that ice cubes are made of water. That's the Masonic news. So mote it was.
6: <laughs> it's time for the Lodge Business Brief with Brother Jim Stevens.
7: Well, again, Masonic Light Podcast listeners, this is Jim Stevens with another Lodge Business Brief. The idea of documenting your lodge's processes probably ranks up there with pulling the weeds from the front walk or going to the DMV. But like those two examples, you still need to do it. Documenting the process does not need to be extensive to have value. A few bullet points will go a long way in helping improve the lodge's operations. These bullet point lists can then be used to train the next brother who needs to do something. They can also be used to share best practices between Lodge and also provide templates to make future work less time intensive. But the greatest value comes from developing the list themselves. You'll be surprised how many different opinions exist as to how something should be done. They may all be right, but they can't all be done. The Lodge will need to settle on one type of process and repeat it to gain any type of efficiency. It is also likely that while developing the list, you will find holes and problems that need to be resolved. Lastly, having published processes will reduce arguments. How many times have you sat in Lodge listening to a brother say, we need to do it this way, and you're thinking to yourself, no, that's not how it's done. Have that conversation while preparing the list, not while in an open Lodge. Once created, these lists should not be shelved or forgotten. They should be lived and revisited. Don't let a process live for years unchecked. Every three to five years, make sure someone reviews them to make sure they're still current. Nothing is more confusing to a new officer than to be told their duties are all documented, but it is clear the document is wrong. Also note that this documentation should include at least one master copy of all accounts and passwords used by any officer of the lodge. You don't want to be locked out of your accounting software because the treasurer is on a three-week safari and out of contact. Keep this list up to date and secured with limited access. Keep them in separate files. For example, keep one copy in the lodge safe and one at home with the Worship Master. That way, if there is a problem in one location, another copy still exists. Additional ideas in improving lodge operations can be found in my book, Lodge Business, The Theoretical Application of Entrepreneurial Business Practices to Blue Lodge, available on Amazon. This is Jim Stevens with your Lodge Business Brief. And we're back.
1: Hello. Uh, Yes. So, uh, Jack, why don't you tell us about what's coming up uh, in the Masonic world around here in the next uh,
3: few days and weeks. So, I'll read all this junk off of your uh, fabulous (laughs) iPad here. So, forgive me if it sounds like I'm reading, because I'm reading this. Um, Saturday, October 19th, at the Valley of Reading, Pennsylvania, Um, see the world-famous magician Lance Burton and Friends. Now, this is... This is really a, a Vegas level show. So uh, this is we've talked about this before. This is a fantastic magic show if you're if you're at all interested in seeing a really good quality show. Um, Lance Burton is amazing. Uh, adults are $40, children $25. For tickets, visit the Valley of Reading office or, because you're not going to do that, visit eventbrite.com and in the search box, just type in Lance Burton, B-U-R-T-O-N. And all the proceeds. to benefit the Dyslexic Center of Reading. Um, This this is the Scottish Rite Dyslexia Learning Center um, that the Valley of Reading supports. Uh, Next, if you wish to join the Scottish Rite, or if you're already a member and want to come back for a reunion, visit ScottishRiteNMJ.org to find out about the dates for reunions in your area. Uh, the local to uh, Masonic Light podcast is the Valley of Lancaster. Um, their next meeting is Tuesday, October the 15th. By the time you hear this, it will probably be done. The Valley of Reading will be Saturday, November 16th, and the Val- the Grand Valley of Harrisburg... Oh, please. Oh, I'm so sorry. The Grand Valley of Harrisburg is Friday and Saturday, November 15th and 16th. So if you're involved in the Scottish Rite... Um, please uh, f- feel free to, to find out where you can go and, and um, participate in the Scottish Rite programs. There, uh, the Pennsylvania Academy of Masonic Knowledge, one of my favorite um, uh, scholarly things to do, is uh, going to be held Saturday, October the twenty sixth, uh, in Elizabeth Town at the Masonic uh, at the Masonic Villages in the. Uh, what is it, the cultural center? Uh, yeah, the auditorium. Whatever. The, the whatever. big auditoriums yeah. up there. Um, it's fantastic. Uh, there are always really interesting speakers at the Academy of Masonic Knowledge. Uh, I believe they'll be live streaming it again this year, mm-hmm. but I, I'm not sure what the what the um, address is going. Oh, it's going to be it's right there. I'm sorry, just read it. Or you can watch the live stream. <laughs> Here I go. Ad living and whatnot. <laughs> uh, live streamed at uh, pa Masonic dot org. Um, and let's see what else. So uh, that would be Saturday the twenty sixth. And Sunday, October the 27th, we go from the sublime to the ridiculous. God bless our souls. Uh, And that is our halloween ceremonial for Ubar Grotto. So if you are a Master Mason in the central Pennsylvania area and would like to find out how you can become a ridiculous prophet of the enchanted realm like our producer, Josh... Lamberton is going to be uh, at the next ceremonial. Um, we will be happy to collect your money and show you uh, a good time. If you are a Master Mason and want to join the Grotto, reach out to Monarch Jack Harley. That, Which guy's, is a, you. that guy's a real jerk. Yeah, That's what I've heard. Uh, <laughs> send him a message at Masonic Light Podcast at gmail.com and uh someone will forward that to me because <laughs> I don't have access to that email account ah. and uh no we it's a, it's it's a, you you've heard us talk about it Grotto is just a silly place, kind of like Camelot um Seriously, and though
1: it's a it's a place where masons can come and have a good time
3: come and have a good time we relax support a great but charity
1: we, but it's a good time yeah we do and we uh, eat a lot and we drink a little
3: and we do and that's uh that's all there is on Tim's magic iPad, <laughs> and now we wait. Larry's waving at me. Do you Larry's have to pee again, Larry? Helpful. Larry I, hasn't peed the I, entire I, episode I, so far. I, so. Have
5: oh, I have a plug. Oh, <laughs> I'm going to talk about the tall cedars of York County oh. hosting oh, the yes. grand <laughs> tall ball at the Ooh. York Country Club November the 16th. Oh, awesome. yeah. now this is a gala event. If you're tall cedars, I think the cost is it is. To the cost is $25, 25 per person. Bucks. Yes, sir. And it's a big band. It's a 26-piece big band that plays. They have professional singers. They The orchestra is out of this world. The food is out of this world. And it really is good. And I'll tell you what, they have a dance floor. They have professional, some professional dancers come in. Uh, and do the dance, and it's it's swinging, man. It's just unreal. Uh, look Groovy, it up. baby. Look it Damn up baby. on on Facebook. Uh, just go to uh, the uh, Tall Cedars of York. You'll get the information in there. But please come. It is a well attended event, and it is probably one of the best Masonic functions I have ever gone to.
3: Larry, Great. You, you really need to be more excited about this
1: event. Okay. Exactly.
3: Re- wow. I'm sorry.
5: Re- Larry Maris will be there.
1: And Larry. We'll sign autographs. Ooh, Larry All Maris right. will be there. There you go. And hopefully right.
3: uninjured at the time. Exactly. So,
1: Anything else for the good of the order, guys? If not, uh, Josh, cue the chickens, and Larry, uh, have at it. <laughs>
3: He had one job. One job. Was he ready? <laughs> no.
5: <laughs> he had 30 minutes to get this ready. Special thanks to Effort Lodge 665 for making this broadcast studio possible. Uh, our thanks to Josh Lamberton, producer and director, who continues to make the show listenable. And thanks to Jack Harley, our news director, and Tim Dedman, our marketing director.
3: Darn right.
5: And to Sonic Lake podcast contributors Michelle Snyder and Jim Stevens. And also, special thanks to our new program coordinator, Les Witt. And finally, to our new office bookkeeper. Les Witt.
3: Get it? Wait. Less no, Les Witt. Les Yeah.
5: And finally, to our new office bookkeeper, Red Marks Man marks on a yeah. bookkeeping is bad news. Okay, Josh, Gee, I should have explained that.
3: Hand me the taser. <laughs>
5: this is this is Larry Maris, and Thanks for listening.
3: This is Josh
1: and Jack Harley, and this is Tim Dedman saying good night, everybody. Bye, everybody. Yeah,
5: you know, I wrote this stuff in the doctor's office this afternoon, and it is hard to write these things.
1: Were you
3: anesthetized
5: at the time? <laughs>